Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben Felder here in the Oklahoman studio. Joining me is a full cast of characters. Got Dale Denwalt from the state capitol, Meg Wingeter, health reporter from the Dig Team, and Justin Wingeter, our federal government reporter. And we're going to talk about a few political storylines in the state in today's episode, but we're going to start with the big one over the last few weeks, medical marijuana. We've been on marijuana watch now for several weeks, and this thing is like a freight train that is steaming towards the state. Uh, it's coming one way or the other. Uh, state lawmakers, health board members are just trying to figure out what that's going to look like. And today, the health, the, the, the Board of Health actually came out with some new proposed rules um, that they'll be voting on or considering next week. And so before we get any further, Meg, just catch us up to speed. Where are we at right now? The health board is going to look at some new rules a couple weeks after passing a series of rules that got a lot of pushback. Right. Uh about two weeks ago now, they passed 75 pages of rules, including those two last-minute amendments banning the smokable uh, sales of smokable marijuana and also requiring dispensaries to have pharmacists. They got a lot of pushback on both those rules and also some other things like limiting THC content in, uh, in medical marijuana products. There were two lawsuits, so the commissioner of the health department had asked the attorney general, how are we going to defend this, mm-hmm. this thing? And the attorney general said, well, these, some of these rules, just your board probably exceeded its authority. Um, I mean, he didn't come out and say you can't defend it, but yeah. uh, made it clear that didn't look good for them. So the board is scheduled to discuss that, that issue on Wednesday. We haven't gotten their agenda, but it seems likely that they will consider these new regulations that were put out on, uh, well, just this afternoon. They leave a lot of the structure intact, but get rid of some of the more controversial things, the the smokable ban, the pharmacists, um, the THC limit, Mm -hmm. and also some other um, things that the attorney general's office thought were not under the board's authority. Yeah. I mean, originally the health board had, you know, they had passed these rules, including the two big ones that seemed to really violate the spirit of the law at the very least. Um, You know, there was a lot of outcry and pushback. Um, But the health, it it was rough for the health board because it was harder for them to withstand that for a variety of reasons. I mean, then you had the, their attorney that resigned uh, facing felony charges, um, Mm -hmm. sending threatening text messages or emails to herself. Um, then you had the director of the pharmacy board. Uh, uh, last week, Nondoc had reported that she and the attorney had been exchanging text messages. The pharmacy board had seemed to be offering a job if she would kill or, or she would impose the pharmacy requirements. Mm-hmm. And then the legislature, legislative leaders, some of which who were against you know, the state question in the first place. This is an election year though, and a lot of, when the public is crying and you're in an election year, you want to respond pretty quickly, you know, was quick to say, hey, you know, maybe we should rethink this. The attorney general said what he said, and then the health board's like, okay, I guess we will. So, I mean, yes, it's, yeah. it's yet to be seen, but it seems like we're just going to go back. I mean, it's it's kind of surprising to me how easy the, the board seems to be going back, but it's been a pretty tough political couple weeks for him. Yeah, I, th- I think someone got a call from the governor's office, quite frankly. Uh, you, you have so much political pressure, both from outside yeah. government and from within government, that uh, I'm not sure that the... Uh, Board of Health had any other choice. Yeah. And, you, yeah, go ahead, Mike. And they'd also, um, in addition to those lawsuits targeting the health department, one of them had targeted five of the board members as individuals. Now, I 
they I haven't talked to them they're not commenting on this so I don't know for certain that that is what would be motivating to them but if it were me I might want this to go away if I was in that situation. Yeah, I mean, that, that seems pr pretty reasonable and, and, and kind of likely. And you mentioned maybe a call from the governor's office, although the governor, she signed off on these rules right out of the gate, right after the board had approved them. Uh, you know, what's really interesting th about what's going on in Oklahoma is that the timeline here is much quicker than other states. I mean, we're the 30th state, so most other states have some kind of medical marijuana law already in existence. So this is not a unique thing, you know, what Oklahoma is doing. What is unique is that while most states have taken a year, if not longer, uh, you know, Oklahoma is trying to get this done in just a few months because of the way that the law is written. I was talking to some national, you know, marijuana state policy experts who were saying this is probably the quickest they've ever seen. You, at the top of the show, called it a freight train. Mm -hmm. Chip Paul, the guy who wrote the bill, called it a hammer. Mm -hmm. uh, that's because he, he, he got the question at this, uh, this, working, this legislative working group that met this last week, and, and they asked him, why did you write it, only giving us a month to implement the law? And he said, because I wanted to really you know, push you guys. I, he didn't say this exactly, but I think it's probably a good analogy that he pushed him off the cliff with the schematics of how to build an airplane. Mm -hmm. And they've got to build it on the way down. Yeah. Um, and uh, they've, they're, I think they're doing all that they can. The, the, the legislature, feeling uh, this pushback from, from the populace, it's such a salient issue to so many voters that they're going to get asked about it when mm -hmm. they campaign. Yeah. They're getting asked about it right now, uh, people calling their offices. So, of course, the legislature is going to step in and try to do whatever they can. And in this case, it means meeting uh, with a working group of the people uh, most interested in this topic. They're probably going to come up with some kind of legislation, possibly meet in special session. Uh, and if not special session, we're going to see some kind of bill uh, dealing with uh, regulation sometime next year. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, talking about some of these you know, national observers, it's also said, like in most other states, when there's been some challenges, especially in conservative politically states where, you know, the legislature may not be on board with it, but it, voters approved it, there's, there's been various challenges. Usually you want the legislature to get out of the way. In Oklahoma, the, the supporters are saying, legislature, get in and do something. And it's also important to remember that they didn't do anything during the last session. I mean, they right. had that chance, too. So it wasn't chance. like this just got thrown at them at the last second. Meg, you were about to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, it, it bears mentioning that uh, for all for the um, analogy of having to build the plane as you're going down, uh, they're not doing too badly so far in the actual mechanics of it. They got the applications online yesterday afternoon. Um, they said about 11,000 people have looked at those. Um, we don't, obviously there's a lot more mm -hmm. still to go. They've got a month to put up the portal so people can turn those applications in. But uh, for all the chaos politically yeah. the um, it seems that so far the actual logistics are not going too badly yeah I mean, a lot of, yeah a lot of makers are saying why are you pushing it so far hard and supporters saying just keep going <laughs> just keep just keep going you're doing that kinda, it keep that kind of fits with what we've heard from uh, from commentators and uh, people in government that uh, while the board may have taken a misstep the the state department of education the staff members are uh, ones to be lauded here. Yeah, Department of Health, sorry. Yeah. Um, the Department of Health are ones to be lauded and, and praised for uh, the work really nonstop since 788 passed. Uh, sort of kind of, it, it's all been in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
But as you mentioned earlier, this is an election year. I mean, you know, Justin, that's I mean, that's the motivator, right? Right now, I mean, you have for for the legislature, some of which are facing, uh, you know, runoffs next month, and you know, a lot are facing uh, some November elections. Uh, I mean, that's you know, it, we, we, this would probably look different if it was in a non-election year, yeah, right? You can't ignore that you have the runoffs pending. You have the election year in November coming to. That just can't be taken out. This is not happening in a vacuum. It's happening in a political environment right now. And so, yeah, you, you can't ignore that. And regardless, you mentioned that even some opponents of 788 in the legislature are, are saying we have to act on this. And it always looks bad if you go against what are perceived to be going against the public will. And when you have state questions, you have this direct democracy uh, style that they love here in Oklahoma where you can just you know put it on the ballot and vote, the people can vote it into law mm -hmm. directly. If you go against that, or you, it looks like you're going against that, it's certainly not gonna be popular. Unless you're really a, a staunch anti-788 person, you probably just want the legislature to clean it up a little bit, put the mechanics in, and let it become law, as it did, I guess, this week. But go ahead and let it become a functioning law, as yeah. we expect here in the next few months, probably. Well, and the Board of Health didn't do lawmakers who were opposed to this any favor because if you had thought that, hey, my, my district is still against this, um, a lot of Oklahomans still are, even though it passed you know, a statewide vote. I mean, the Board of Health out of the gate with the controversy and then you know, you know, possible illegal activity, I mean, that just creates a side that lawmakers don't want to be on. You know, it, it, I think it just created a harder atmosphere for them to now be opposed to it because then you are kind of siding with special interests that are, that are getting attacked for having too, hard, too much of a hand in the rule creation. I mean, there's various lawsuits, as you've said, and uh, you know, people facing felonies. So it's just, I, I think it's, a, it's been a lot easier for lawmakers to say, let's just try to get uh, what the people want, uh, want done. But, you know, I think back to 2016, you know, voters approved a, a series of uh, criminal justice reform measures that got um, drawn down by the legislature the following spring. Um, that was controversial, but those lawmakers weren't facing an election in 2017. Right. And so once again, I think it's a little bit different when, st when the voters just approve a state question that you may disagree with, but now you're, you're looking at an election just a few months later. That's right. It's such a hot button issue um, uh, coming to fruition just a few months before everyone has to try to get reelected. Um, that, that's one of the dangers of putting uh, something like this on the ballot before the November elections is that it's still fresh in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. So Criminal justice yeah. reform is a very important issue, mm -hmm. but it can get tied down in yeah. a number of statutes and yeah. numbers, statistics. This is a pretty clear issue. Some people would legally be able to smoke marijuana. And if you do not, if you are tinkering with that, I mean, people knew what they were voting for more or less. And if you're seen as tinker, tinkering with that, it's going to be very obvious as opposed to some bills passed in criminal justice reform and some didn't committee, some dieting committee, it gets a little convoluted. This is a pretty clear-cut issue in addition to being in an election year. Yeah, that's a great point because I imagine there were a lot of voters that approved those state questions in 2016 for criminal justice reform that didn't really understand what it did. But they knew that we had you know, overcrowded prisons, we needed to do something. They probably saw people supporting it that they trust and they said, you know what, I'm going to cast a vote in favor of adjusting a system that we feel like is going in the wrong direction. Voters on state question 788 probably were picturing in their mind very specific elements, including people being able to smoke marijuana. So yeah. you're probably right. This is a, uh, there's, there is definitely a difference uh, between this state question and the two that were passed in 2016. And the way this has all happened has just been so 
bizarre that it's created perceptions, right or wrong, of that this is very much being driven by special interests. Um, you think of the Monday, one day before the board voted on these rules, a group of medical organizations gets together, gives um, their priorities, including the smokable ban and the pharmacist issue. For a lot of people, that's the first time they've heard about it. Now there are discussions behind the scenes, but no one knew about it. The next day, the board votes on it over the objections of their council. And within a week after that, we have the general counsel resigning because she sent emails to herself that were made to look like they were from a, a marijuana supporter who was stalking her. And then you get the pharmacy board head being fired because she was sending these questionable text messages that made it yeah. look like she might be bribing the general counsel. That's just whether or not you agree that some of these rules the board passed were were a good idea or not, it just creates kind of a toxicity, I think, around the issue. Yeah, I mean, it, it created an atmosphere where, like I said, if you're a lawmaker, for you to say, I support these rules, you, it's like I'm supporting the special interest efforts here. I mean, the, the, the politics, the playbook of whatever they were running just didn't work. And I think it made it a lot easier for lawmakers to be like, we, we want to stay away from this. We don't want to... Um, you know, don't want to don't want to touch this. And to be fair, I mean, it's not like the Board of Health is, a, is traditionally a political group. I mean, I don't know how much they anticipated the firestorm that was going to come. I mean, they're they're used to making decisions about what's in the best interest of people's health. As we saw, maybe they also make decisions of what's in the best interest of some of these special interests. But I mean, this was a new responsibility for them. Yeah, and you you could make an argument. I mean, usually inhaling smoke into your lungs is not going to be. A good plan. So, from a purely public health standpoint, they could make a very good case there yeah. on why they decided to do that. It just clearly was in conflict with what people expected when they voted. Yeah. So, maybe that's why they didn't anticipate how hot this was going to get, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and, it, and to say once again, the people that make laws, they punted on this. You know, the mm -hmm. governor. She punted on this, and so it was put into the under the table for you know a health board that is usually tasked with just making those decisions about what's in the best interest of Oklahoma's health, and not how do we, uh, you know, carry out the will of of a state question. Yeah, I wanted to, to kind of tag on there at the, at the end. The the legislature, uh, I, I wouldn't assume that all the legislature is. Uh, uh, looking at this with a calculated political decision only, there's a lot of sincerity among those who uh, who are on the working group and want to see and want to make sure that the the, the people's uh, intent is is still there. Um, uh, you know, a guy like John Eccles, uh, Greg Greg McCourtney, they've been talking about this for months mm -hmm. about how um, you know the medical marijuana needs to be done right. You know, the the people obviously support it, uh, and uh, uh, Eccles talked about the last time that there was a bipartisan uh, committee like the one that we're seeing now and that was on the uh, the CBD oil uh, I think at that time we would have been a, a pilot study and and just the idea of Oklahoma having uh, allowing people to use uh, 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 CBD any kind of cannabis mm -hmm. was so foreign yeah. that um, they, they had to have that bipartisan working group going uh, going forward sort of rallying support and uh, uh, he said that without something like that, 
Oklahoma wouldn't have the CBD laws that it has now. And uh, so I think I think there is a lot of sincerity. Although, yeah, you're right. You know, it's a really heavy political uh, question here mm -hmm. going on that they really have to think about when they start talking to voters about medical marijuana. Yeah, I mean, and these are the questions that they're, yeah they're they're getting those that are they're running for office. Yeah, I took that bar bipartisan working group as a way of saying the way of the legislature to say we got this. It's okay because you don't want chaos. First of all, you don't want chaos because. Mm -hmm. You just generally don't want that yeah. to happen. I mean, if, there is a lot of sincerity. Obviously, they want a well-functioning government. But also, if you're an incumbent, you don't want chaos. You are the status quo, and you don't want let people to feel like we have to get rid of the government. We have to get rid of a Republican-controlled government, or we have to throw out legislatures or th legislators because this just isn't working. So I thought the, the working group was kind of a way of calming people down and it's in our hands and we got this and we're going to work on this and we're going to get it right because the health board did not quite get it right, at least on his first try. Mm -hmm. It looks like we'll come back and maybe get it right in the second time. But it, uh, I thought the legislature there was just saying, you know, there's no chaos. We're okay. And this working group will figure it out. We're doing something. That's what you're saying. We're doing yeah, something. You know. <laughs> we're, we're, we're working. It remains to be seen if they're uh, actually going to uh, do anything. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the board of health changes uh, is all that they really think they need. But uh, you know, if they if they actually do something, that remains to be seen whether it'll be uh, any good. Yeah. Well, this law is in effect. In some ways, Meg, as you said, the license or the applications are available. Mm -hmm. Another part of this law I want to quickly uh, have you explain that hasn't really gotten any attention is uh, it, it's changed uh, what the punishment would be for possessing uh, marijuana, that, and that went into effect yesterday on Thursday. It did. It it happened very quietly that if you are caught possessing up to an ounce and a half of marijuana, and you say you have a medical condition then you would just get a $400 fine. I believe um, before that you could get up to a $1,000 fine and possibly up to a year of, uh, of jail time. So if you, if you are in that situation, it certainly gives you an incentive to say that you have a medical condition because there's really no way for the police or a prosecutor probably really to, to verify yeah. that. Um, and it's not if you have a license, it's if you say right. that you have. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it, it creates a very interesting place right now because the licenses, the health department won't start processing these applications until August 25th. That's the earliest anybody could possibly have a license for to legitimately possess marijuana and obviously the legally grown mm -hmm. plants, that's going to take several months more, but there is kind of this in-between period as this phase is in. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's an interesting aspect of it, yeah. Handling that? Um, well, the Topeka, Topeka, <laughs> where we used to live, Oklahoma City police have said uh, that they're not making any changes into how, in how they enforce the laws. Tulsa police have also said the same thing. It seems like this could possibly end up in the court of uh, no pun intended, of the district attorneys to decide, you know, are we going to challenge somebody on this demand any documentation? And it's not really clear that if they can do that, mm -hmm. because the law, as it's written, just says a person who is caught in possession of up to an ounce and a half and says they have a medical condition is gets this lower penalty. So 
it's going to be interesting whoever ends up being the uh, the test case for this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you've got a story in Sunday's Oklahoma and on on this very issue, um, which will be really interesting. To uh, an aspect of the state question hasn't really got a lot of attention. That's uh, that's already in effect. Um, well, let's shift gears to the federal scene, Justin. We've got um, these trade wars, these tariffs um, that are particularly hitting um, agriculture states, which Oklahoma would be one of them. Um, Democrats are trying to peg this as you know Trump is, is hurting the heart of America, you know a place that he has a lot of support and has done really well. Yeah. We've seen some Republicans, uh, you know, push back on the president, especially this week as he, he called for twelve billion dollars in, in aid for farmers. Um, so in some places maybe he's not feeling the love so much, but in Oklahoma uh, his, his support seems to still be there, particularly with the congressional delegation that you talked to this week. For the most part, yeah. Um, Steve Russell here in Oklahoma City, uh, not a fan of the uh, tariffs. I'd say most of the delegation is opposed to the tariffs, with the exception of Mark Wayne Mullen in, the, in eastern mm-hmm. Oklahoma, by far the most staunch defender of the president. Just about every other member of the delegation is not a big fan of tariffs. He's going against what it was Republican orthodoxy for a long time. Um, and they, and obviously they've, some agricultural areas have felt the, uh, the effects of that. So. These are generally not very popular. The, the bailout, as I would categorize it, about $12 billion that the USDA set aside for farmers and ranchers who have been harmed by these policies, uh, the, by the president's own policies and by the trade war that followed. Mm-hmm. The bailout's been pretty popular. It's, it's kind of resupplying the troops. As I mean, you, these farmers and ranchers are on the front lines. They're taking the blows. And so we're going to back you up and we're going to cover your losses, more or less. Um, so that's been pretty popular. Uh, Frank Lucas, who represents by far the most agricultural-centric distri- district in Oklahoma, the western half of the state, mm-hmm. frankly, uh, is a big proponent of these. I mean, if you're on the president's side here, you're framing this more or less as this is a war, and if we win, we come out the other end, we're better off. We've convinced the EU or Canada or China level the playing field, get rid of the tariffs that they had before this. However, it is a war and it's taking a toll, a financial toll, obviously. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, if your livelihood depends on this, you don't love being on the front lines and farmers and ranchers are right now. So they're feeling it. They got a little bit of a bailout from the president and from the administration and they generally like that, but they would much rather not be on the front lines, period. Yeah. And that wasn't, I mean, I don't think it was it doesn't sound like you were too shocked to see the response from the delegation this week, obviously. I mean, it, it didn't seem like his... We talked about maybe... I don't think the president's supporters are... They're definitely not leaving in masses or anything like that. But in some places where we've seen maybe some cracks in his support, Oklahoma wasn't one. I mean, we're talking about states like you know Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and some places that... Ohio, where uh, those, those tariffs have been you know particularly... Uh, squeezing farmers, where you know they may not be as strong as supporters as the president, or at least locked-in supporters, um, as, as you see in Oklahoma. Or in states or districts that could swing, where mm-hmm. if that agricultural district, say the 5th district, um, which 5th congressional district here, mostly Oklahoma City, Edmond, the uh, urban area here, but does include Pottawatomie County and Seminole County. If those areas were to break off and suddenly become so frustrated with the president that they voted Democratic, then it starts to have an effect on the district as a whole. 
but I don't think we're going to see that. So it does matter, or in states like Ohio, where the whole thing is a swing state, and if you know the agricultural areas start to get so frustrated that they swing Democratic, then it can swing a whole state, or Wisconsin would be another one. So that would be interesting, but it, that would only matter in very small terms. I just think we're so uh, politically divided right now that uh, even something like that hits the livelihoods of farmers is not going to be enough to turn rural areas blue anytime soon or even up in the air. I mean, I, I think there are just too many other issues right now. And so we'll see. I mean, in a very tight district, it could have an effect. But I don't think it, it you know, it, politically it has major ramifications yeah. right now. We'll see if it gets worse, though, too. I mean, anytime you're in a war, I mean, it could escalate or something, mm -hmm. even a financial one like this. So. If it gets worse, uh, it'll be interesting to watch the politics of that. Yeah, well, you, you know, the, these agriculture districts of Oklahoma, as you say, there's no risk of those of those flipping. Um, the only district in Oklahoma that we've talked about consistently as being a potential in play for Democrats, and, and it's not a given, is the 5th District, as you right. mentioned, uh, Congressman Russell defending his seat. Um, I'm curious, as, what is the issue, do you feel like, as we get closer to November? If, uh, if the Democratic nominee, which many people believe will be Kendra Horn, um, is going to pull up what would be a big upset. Um, like, what would be that issue, do you feel like, that could, that, that could play in, in the Democrats' favor? It's really hard to say. I mean, the, the, the rate at which things change right now is just remarkable. Democrats would love for that to be health care. And if there's ever an attempt to bring back health care reform at the federal level to get rid of the ACA or something like that, then, yeah, I think that would become the big issue. Democrats wanted the issue to be immigration for a while. That issue has even faded. I, I mean, as front and center as it was for a while there. So it's not really clear what is going to be an issue. Obviously, the president and whether or not he is supported or not is always going to be an issue with previous presidents as well. More so with this president, who is very much front and center, very controversial, love or hate sort of guy. And so he will be a factor. But I don't know what, I mean, issues will be a factor come November because. I think there will probably be a dozen changes in the cycle between now and then. Yeah. So at least. Is, how much of a factor do you think Trump will be here in the 5th District? I mean, there are some districts where, you know, who you're voting for Congress is your support or not support for President Trump. I mean, it's, it's down, you know, across those lines. I don't get the sense, though, that, that that's as much the case here in the 5th District, that, you know, that Kendra Horn is running as a vote, you know, a vote for me as a vote against you know, President Trump. I mean, don't get me wrong, she's not a, not a fan of the president, but uh, I mean, how much of a factor do you feel like Trump will be in, in the fifth conditional race? It will be for some, but. Yeah, probably not as much as some districts, but we'll see. It's tough to tell. We've been in primary mode, and the Democrats to some extent still are in the fifth district. So when we get in that open um, general election from, you know, the end of August to uh, November, it'll be interesting to see what the Democrats seize on. It'll be interesting to see how Russell responds to that. But I do think you'll see um, criticism of the president and attempts to link the congressman to the president. Now, this is a district that the president won, albeit not by a large amount, as he typically has. But it'll be interesting. I, I think he, the president will be a factor. I think his, whether or not he wins or has the support of this district will play a factor. And the Democrats will try to make him a factor, but it won't be all about him. It won't be. It won't be about, you know, just his personality or that. I think that that stuff is kind of faded. But his policies, where they can pick off certain Republican voters uh, by antagonizing Trump, I think they will. 
or whoever the Democrat is will. So yeah, we'll see. And and Trump won the fifth district. What do you know off the top of your head? I forgot the numbers. A lot of his. I think he was under 55%, if I recall. The low 50s is what I was thinking. And I was thinking that Congressman Russell is kind of like a low 50s Trump guy. I mean, he's not, I mean, he hasn't been the guy that's been, he hasn't been the guy that's been waving the banner for the president. That's right. I mean, he's definitely in his corner on on many things, but has has spoken sternly against the president's uh, policies in, in particular areas, more so than most of the other, you know, members of Congress we've seen in Oklahoma. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like he's been the, you know, he's not wearing the red hat around his district. Uh, right. uh, I mean, if you are a Republican who's uncomfortable with Trump, I can see how Russell would still be, you know, that you would still have some support for Russell based on the, you know, the positions he's taken on. on the I would agree. Thing. So, yeah. Yeah. so we've got that race. And as we wrap up here real quick, I mean, we've got a governor's runoff in the Republican side, um, and we'll get into that uh, in more uh, in more detail in a, in a future episode. But I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on how the the Stitt Cornette race is shaping up, Dale. Uh, it's it's going to be. Uh, still, kind of hard to, uh, to to say who's going to come out of this one. Um, you know, they're they're both running uh, lots of ads and trying to get their faces out there as much as possible. Um, uh, still, you know, we've got how many weeks now? About four weeks, mm-hmm. I guess, until until the election. Uh, expect a lot of money coming in. Maybe even some a lot of third party money coming in to to try to sway uh, Oklahoma's uh, Republican nominee one way or the other. Yeah, uh, Oklahoma's Chris Castile has been chasing a bunch of those candidates around, including a story last week on Cornette, mm-hmm. trying to make some inroads into the rural area, which seems yeah. to be kind of the battleground right now. I mean, well, he, he's he's been doing that for months, yeah. um, and it makes sense that you know he would try to do that now. There's still a lot of votes out there mm-hmm. that he can pick up from someone like Todd Lamb. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll definitely get into that that race in more detail in a future episode. I'm sure we'll be talking about medical marijuana as well. Maybe next week with new rules in place, we'll have to see how that goes. The the Board of Health is meeting on Wednesday. Is that right, Meg? Yes. And uh, you'll be there. We'll be following the coverage on that. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of Political State. Thanks for joining us. You can find us each and every week here at newsok.com. With Justin, Meg, and Dale, I'm Ben with The Oklahoman. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.